worthy of all that we can give. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord, and magnify you for who you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to turn to Ephesians, the second chapter, and I will be reading verses 11 through 19. And while you're turning there, I do want to say it is a privilege. It is a privilege to be here in this church. There be one in this church, all the saints. Appreciate my pastor and all that he's invested in me. And he's still pouring into me. I love him and his family deeply. Bishop Frost, all the ministry on the platform, very capable men of God who I'd love to hear preach tonight. And uh, I just want to say that I'm very blessed very blessed to be here and to stand in this position. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 11. Scripture says, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace." And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God to preach, focusing on the word access, verse 18, this thought I want to teach tonight on access to the promise, amen. Would you help me pray together? Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost that is in this place. Lord, I pray that you would work, that you would edify the body of Christ, that you would move in a powerful way, Lord. Let this lesson that is taught Touch our hearts and our minds. Let it infill us. Let it compel us to move forward and to grow in you. We ask these things in the wonderful name of the Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Access is something that can easily be taken for granted. But in its truest definition, it means, it's, it means just approaching or entering a place. It could be the physical means of entering. And today, certainly the freedoms that we have as Americans on this American soil, we have the privilege, we have the right of access, the ability to, to access our nation's highways and roads. And we could, we could leave from this place and drive and end up in another city or another another state, um, we could drive for as long as we want because we have certain right-of-ways that have been granted unto us 
Our forefathers established roadways and highway systems, mainly for safety purposes. And today we are the beneficiaries of that access. We can go without question to most places that are not private. We have that ability. It is certainly a privilege to have access. And sometimes access can be restricted. In my office, I have a card. In, the, in order to get into my building, I have to swipe that card to get access. The door unlocks, and then I can go up the elevators. And to get into my office, I have to swipe that card again. So those doors will lock. It's restricted access to certain members of the public. And I have access. It's a privilege, and I cannot abuse that. We have access on this church property. We can come in anytime we want, 24 hours a day, punch a code in, and we can enter into this place, and we can pray and touch God, and we can have a move of God because of the access that we have been given. We have access with the gate code. It's very important to understand that it is a privilege. It is a privilege to have access. Today, what I want to focus on and what I, what I want to stress is we do have a privilege today in the house of the Lord. Verse 18 says, for through him, talking about Jesus Christ, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. That is a privilege. That is something that we cannot take for granted. Because one time we were strangers from the covenants of promise. We had no hope. It even called us aliens from the common wealth of Israel. We had not this access that is so precious. But because of the cross of Calvary and because he bore our sins and because he died for you and me, we now have the privilege to have his spirit residing within us. And we have access. We have access to him. We have access. I want to talk about a promise today. Promises are made. Not all promises are kept. In the Word of God, we find promises, many scattered throughout the Scripture, given to men. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. They are precious promises. And it gives a list beside this. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, char uh, brotherly kindness charity for if these things be in you, these promises be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be fruitful. I want my tree to bear something that is good. I'm not here today so I can rot away and wither. But thank God I have access to some promises whereby His Spirit will cause me to bear fruit if I add to these things to my life. I have access to these things because of who He is. We have another promise that we so very well know today. And that is the promise of the Holy Ghost. 
The Bible says that whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. It also calls this promise that I'm speaking of the Holy Spirit of promise whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit of promise. The Bible says for the promise is unto you and unto your children and to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I'm so thankful that the promise didn't stop with me, but that it is something my children have access to. And when I die, my grandchildren have access to the promise. This is something that we cannot put a value on. Today we're in the house of God because we understand, unlike the world today, what we have access to. I'm here today because there's a power that can envelop within me that can cause me to defeat the enemy that can cause me to overcome. I have access to that. When my spirit isn't right, I have access to repentance and his blood will cover me. Oh, put your hands together if you're thankful for access today. Hallelujah. We have access. Not everybody does. There's some that have a form of power, have a form of godliness, but they, they don't have the power. They don't have the access that we have. In humility, in humility, we are blessed by this access. We didn't deserve it. There's nothing special in you or I, you or I but, but, but God has given us a great privilege. Hallelujah. God has given you and me, when you think about where you came from, where I came from, we did not deserve this great mercy. We did not deserve it. And it certainly doesn't make me better than somebody because I have access. But what it does is it compels me to reach out into a world and say, you know, if God did this for me, you can have the very same privilege and opportunity. That's the will of God. It can't just stop with me. This thing is bigger than me. It has to grow outside of these four walls. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me today. My heart has been burdened. What is the purpose of living for God? Is it coming and sitting on padded pews and enjoying nice decoration? I thank God for this beautiful sanctuary, but I don't want to have it just for myself. I want to share it. I want to show others, look, you can be a part of something that is bigger than you are and that can bless you greater than you can ever imagine. Why are you here today? Where are you working? Are your hands on the plow? Are you sowing good seed so that another generation can reap? There's an access that we need to perpetuate. When I think about the promise and those in Scripture that had opportunity and access, the standout to me, of course, is Abraham, who has delivered a promise. Such an outstanding man of God, a man of faith, and he's known for that, the father of the faithful. Even though there were times in his life that he had doubts, he is still remembered as the father of the faithful because of the stands he took. There are three things in particular that we can take away from the lesson Abraham has given us. How did he become 
this pioneer of, of an access to the promise. And very simply, three points I would like to make. The first thing that Abraham was is he was very obedient unto the word of God. When God spoke to him, he was obedient. He listened to the word of the Lord and he obeyed. Can you imagine? Can you imagine someone coming to your house and say, okay, we're packing everything up. Put everything in boxes, all the dishes, all the clothes, get them out of the closet, get all of your belongings, we're packing it up and we're moving. Well, where are we going? I don't know. I don't know. We're selling everything and we're moving. And this is as much like what happened to Father Abraham. We read in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And here's the promise, I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curse thee. In thee all families of the earth will be blessed. So, verse 4, Abraham departed. That's it. You tell me to go, God, I'm going. I'm obeying. He was 75 years old. He didn't have any children. And the Lord is promising him, you're going to be the father of a great nation. These were powerful words. And at, at first glance, you can see Abraham old in age and think, no, no, you're not going to have any children. This is, this is false. Don't listen to that. Don't move. You're crazy if you do it. But let me tell you, when God calls you, you're going to have to leave some comfort zones. Amen? When God calls you to a greater, higher calling, you're going to have to leave some things behind. It's going to be uncomfortable. And there are going to be questions. And yes, you're going to wonder, God, how are you going to do it? And that's okay. But one thing you cannot be if you want the blessing of the promise is you cannot be disobedient. You have to adhere to the word of the Lord. God is looking for somebody who is obedient, who will trust him, who will go where he wants them to go, who will do it just because God said to do it. This is what Abraham did. This is why he had access to the promise. Because he knew what it was to be obedient. Verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there Abraham builded an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from whence, from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Verse 9, and Abraham journeyed going on still where? I don't know, but toward the south. Because God called me to go and I'm going. Sometimes you don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. But you just keep doing what God told you to do. And there's going to be a promise that you're going to obtain just through mere and sheer obedience. It's better to obey than sacrifice. It's better to obey Saul. Why? 
What's this bleeding of the sheep that I hear? Well, I thought it was a good idea to do things my own way, and this is, you know, this is of some value. I know I wasn't supposed to take spoils from the enemy's camp, but that was disobedient unto the Lord. And you're relying on your own thinking, and you're not leaning on to the understanding of the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding, but put your trust in him. Put your trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. And he will direct your path. Sometimes I don't understand the rule. Sometimes I I don't even know what, what, what to do, but I just know one thing. I was told to do something, and if I do it, there's a promise. Hallelujah. I'm going to do it just because God wants me to do it. I'm teaching this morning about, or this evening rather, about access to the promise. I want to obtain the promise. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And you know what? You just don't stop. You keep going. You never get to a place. Yes, there's mountaintops, but it's just the bottom of another mountaintop. I'm going to stay climbing. I'm going to keep pressing forward. I'm never going to stop because his spirit is getting greater. I must decrease. He must increase. And I want to do the will of God. I have found there's no truer happiness than doing the will of God, than serving him. I want to say emphatically, the real joy that I've had in life has come from serving God and working in His kingdom and laboring in hard nights and long days and doing something for God just to see, just to see these altars full of people receiving the Holy Ghost, reaching out unto God, just to see a youth group come to a function and just one child gets filled with the Holy Ghost. That is the greatest joy that I've ever had is serving in the kingdom of God and watching His blessings. And his promises be fulfilled because I took action on his word and was obedient. Amen. Abraham was obedient. There were no complaints. He didn't complain unto the Lord. I challenge you, read the Bible and search it through and through and tell me where someone complains and they are blessed because of it. I remember the children of Israel, they're complaining about the food God's given them every day. They're complaining about thirst, and God just delivered them out of bondage. And they didn't have everything exactly the way they wanted, so they started complaining. And then when they came back and said, we could take the land, they got scared and said, no, we can't. And because of that and because of their unbelief, because of their complaining, they wandered in a wilderness for 40 years. And a certain amount of them had to die before the younger generation could receive the fullness of the promise. Complaining really, complaining really doesn't get you anywhere. This is a side note. Pastor's here, so I can say this. Complaining doesn't get you anywhere. This isn't to my benefit, but Brother C.J. Casey can attest. I work in an office. I oversee. I evaluate 16 employees. That's a challenge. That's like pastoring, right? I mean, and the ones really that are the hardest to deal with are the complainers. And then the, the ones that don't produce, I don't even know where I'm going here, but I'm going to go here. Uh, they don't, they don't. They don't produce. They're the ones you always have to encourage. Come on, you can make it. You can do it. You know, I know, I know it's hot. The AC isn't working, but you can make it. You don't need to go home. It's just, you know, turn on the fan. Um, They say the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I don't like that saying because the squeaky wheel has a real problem. And if you don't attend to it, then it's going to cause your brakes to fail or something. You got to give the wheel grease. That, That doesn't correlate with the squeaky person that's just complaining all the time. Because really, the real issue is the person. (laughs) This is all for free. (laughs) Look, if you're not part of the solution, then you're part of the problem. Amen. Amen. And Abraham, he chose not to complain. He just said, I'm going to do 
what you want me to, Lord. I'm going to go where you want me to go. And he had access to a promise. The other thing that Lot or that Abraham was very significant uh, of doing was he was a giver. He was a giver and he didn't take things into himself. He was a person that loved to give. As a matter of fact, there were some kings in, in Genesis chapter 14, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Eleazar, and Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations. They went out and they started making war against the other kings. And they went and made war against Sodom and Gomorrah. And those kings ran away. And and they went and they took Lot, which was Abram's brother's son. And they took Lot captive and other people they took captive. And when Abraham had heard of this, because someone escaped and gave word to Abraham, he took about 300 plus of his own men and they went into the enemy's camp and they overtook them and got back all of the children and the women and they took back Lot and he came back to his own place and Melchizedek came and blessed him and said blessed be Abraham of the most high God possessor of heaven and earth and and blessed uh, be the most high God which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand and the Bible says that Abraham gave tithes of all He just came through war. He just went through battle. He had some hardship, but he realized that he was blessed, and he overcame. And so he gave tithes. One of the first instances in Genesis, not the first, but one of the first of there being a principle of giving tithe. Here we find Abraham giving back to Melchizedek. And because of that, God blessed him for giving. And then the king of Sodom came and wanted to give to Abraham. And he said, no, I'm not going to take what you're giving me lest you say you made me rich. Yeah, I'm not going to take what isn't mine, but I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to provide. I'm going to give all of my substance. I'm going to make sure that there's a part of me left wherever I go. I'm going to give. So when I'm in the house of the Lord today, I'm going to give back to the house of the Lord, not just of my monies, but of my time. Not just of my time, but of my good report. I'm going to tell of the good things of God. I'm going to give back. I'm going to help the people of God. I'm going to help the kingdom of God go forward. I want to be a giver because I realize, like Abraham, if I want to have access to the promise, I've got to give. I've got to give. I don't want to be a taker. I want to be a giver. I know it sounds elementary, but what have you given? What have you given? I'm not talking about money. What have you given unto the Lord? Sure, we need to pray. And we need to read our Bible. But what else have you given? I'm not trying to uh, uh, cast hate upon anybody. But I do want there to be a sense, a conviction, a prick in our hearts that says, God, I want to give more to you. Do you think you give enough? Do you think you give enough? Or can you give more? I want access to his, to his promise. So I want to give the best that I can give. I want to give the way he wants me to give. Abraham established this principle in many Many of, uh, in many parts of his life, he was a giver. He was a giver. And then lastly, one of the third attributes that Abraham had that probably propels him above everything else in having access to the promise was he was indeed a man of faith. He believed on the Lord. That's why he could obey so very well because he had faith in who God was. 
He trusted him. He had faith. That's why he could give unto the Lord, because he understood who is the provider of all things. It's easy for me to give back to the Lord who owns the cattle of a thousand hills. When you have that understanding, then you understand what I have isn't for me, isn't mine. God gave it to me. I'm going to give him what he deserves. And this is, this is an attribute of faith that helped him think and operate in these, in these ways. And so we all know the famous, infamous calling that God put on him and how he told he told Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, Abraham says, here am I. And he said, take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he clave the wood for the burnt offering, and he rose and he went unto the place which God had told him. He took action early. God, you said that I'm going to be the father of many nations, and God, you promised me that my children would be like the sands of the sea. You told me one day to look up to the stars and you asked me if I could number them. And you said that's how, that's how my generation after me will be. That's how my, my children will be. They will be innumerable. And here you are asking me to take the one thing that I love. And you're asking me to give it back to you. We don't even hear him pray that. But I could imagine as a father who loved his son, that was what was going on in his mind. But his actions spoke louder than his words. It, may, it was probably one of the hardest things for him to do. But we don't see him wavering. We see him just like he left. And Or of the Chaldeans. He, he, he did the same thing with his sacrifice with his boy. He got all the provisions for sacrifice. And they start climbing up a mountain in an effort to obey the voice of the Lord. This is why he gets access to the promise that God has given him. Because he was faithful and obedient. Because he knew how to give. Verse 7, and Isaac said unto Abraham, his father, my father. And Abraham said, here I am I. And, and Isaac said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? It's becoming evident that something is different about this sacrifice. And there is a powerful testimony in Isaac because he obeys his father. And he never questions his father. That attribute of obedience is being passed down unto Isaac. Isaac just does what he's told. And Abraham responds, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. They came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood, stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his boy. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven. And said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. We know how the story is finished. How that he was blessed because he didn't sacrifice his own son. Not because he didn't sacrifice his own son necessarily. But because he would have had the angel of the Lord not stopped him. And he's reminded of the promise in verse 15. The angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said by myself have I sworn saith the Lord for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son thine only son that in blessing I will bless thee 
And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. This promise is being fulfilled even to this day. We become heirs. We become children of Abraham, the seed of Abraham through baptism. It is still a promise that will never die because there was a person who had access through obedience and through giving and through faith. What would happen today in the apostolic church at GBFPC if we got a hold of the characteristics of Abraham and applied them to our own lives? I know there are people in these pews who have a promise. I want to tell you, don't give up on the promise. Don't waver. Don't let your guard down. But you keep doing what God wants you to do. Head in the direction that God has pointed you to. And that promise will be fulfilled. There's going to be trials along the way. But if you keep doing what God has told you, there will be a promise fulfilled. Hallelujah. Keep giving unto the house of the Lord. Keep giving of your time and your efforts to make sure that the kingdom of God advances that is my hope hallelujah I want this church to be bigger than it was last year it's only going to happen if we get in one mind and if we get in one accord and we say let it happen Lord I'm going to listen I'm going to obey I'm going to give and I have faith as the musicians come I won't be very much longer and the singers as well recently yes you get a survey lesson with this but I, it'll be easily grasped. Brother Casey has been involved with a project of late. There is a road in Lebec, and it's called Ridge Route Drive. Ridge Route Drive used to be a public road, and it gave access to all of those that live in the Lebec Highland. But recently, well, not so recently, but February 24th, 1994, there was a resolution by the county of Kern that vacated the access to the public. Vacated the access to anybody that doesn't live in Lebec Highland. You cannot go up that road, you and I, without permission. But it retained, it reserved, it kept an easement 60 foot in width for all of the adjoining property owners. The problem is this. It's an old road in the mountains. It was cut out many years ago. And it's probably 12 foot wide as it sets on the ground, although the easement is 60 feet in width. And it meanders up and down the hills and the mountains. But it is a very traversable road. It's just hard to get to some of the places. And so, uh, Brother CJ was assigned the task to go out. We calculated uh, the alignment of this road. He was tasked to go set center line points at every angle point and right away stakes at those angle points. The reason was, is because there was a gentleman who's at the bottom of the hill who misinterprets a document. So this gentleman, we'll leave them nameless, for four years now has felt the need to put debris, rocks, and things in the middle of the road, which has hindered the fire department, which has hindered people driving and having access up the road it's destroyed the undercarriage of cars and because he feels like he owns the road now and that portion nobody can use it 
It's caused a big stink in the community. You could even go to the Fraser Park newspaper and read about recent activities on this particular road. And so CJ's job was to go and set these stakes so it could be known where the alignment is because the reservation in the document that gives the private owners access says, this road shall be kept open, clear, and free from obstructions of any kind. And so the debacle is, can you put debris, can you block my roadway? Can you stop me from going to where I need to go? And it's an ongoing civil matter. And so the enemy of our soul, what he's trying to do, he's trying to steal. He's trying to take away, cast doubt and tell you you're no value. You do not have access to the, pro to the promise. You have no right of entry. There's no right of way given to you. Who do you think you are? This road is reserved for others, not you. I took over this road now. But a long time ago, at a cross in Calvary, there was a man by the name of Jesus Christ who died for you and me. This is the best story ever told. This is the good news. The good news is that it doesn't matter who you think you are, even if you feel unappreciated or of no worth. The promise is, is that if you would just obey, and if you would just give God a little obeisance and a little faith and a little bit of your time, that you can receive this spirit of promise and you have access to not only the promise, but to other things. The problem is that sometimes we're not motivated enough or we don't see the need enough or we're too busy, we're too preoccupied. When's the last time that you've had a burden just to sit down and talk to somebody about Jesus and let them know, hey, you have, you have a privilege and let me tell you about it. I know you feel like nothing and nobody, but you have access today to a promise Sometimes the greatest roadblock to the access is me. We want to blame a lot of a lot of a lot of other things, the enemy of our soul. And I, I, I don't downplay any of that. You hear me today in the house of the Lord. There are many troubles, there are many things, but really the main the main roadblock, the main K-rail blocking the road is Jeremy Brock, is self, is 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 you, is the person staring back at you in the mirror. Abraham removed all those roadblocks. And he said, God, you called me unto a greater purpose. That's the only permission I need. I'm going to walk in obedience. Hallelujah. As we stand together in this place, in conclusion tonight, this Bible study, I want to encourage every soul in this house. You have access today to something greater than you can ever imagine. You have the privilege and the right it was given to you by the author and the finisher of our faith. You have access to promises. You need deliverance. You have access tonight to deliverance. I've seen the alcoholic never drink again. I've seen the drug dealer never put a needle in their arm again because God delivered them. Many of them used in ministry because they knew, they realized I have access to something far greater than this world could ever offer me.
You need healing today? You have access to healing. Oh, I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. You need a miracle? You have access to a miracle tonight. Don't put your faith in man. Put your faith in God. Speak faith unto the Lord, and God will provide. You need salvation tonight? Can I tell you? Can I tell you you have access to that promise? You have access to salvation. Hallelujah. As they sing, let's lift up our hands where we are. If you need to come to the front, I invite you to the front for a few moments. This is the altar call. You have access tonight. You have access. Don't let the enemy of your soul beat you down. You don't have to leave downtrodden. You don't have to leave defeated because you have access to a promise that is greater than you. Hallelujah. Oh, God can do great things with your life if you just obey. Hallelujah. God can take you into new heights. He can give you the answers you are searching for if you yield yourselves members to obey. Hallelujah. God's looking for willing servants. God's looking for a willing vessel. Obedience, faith, a giver. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands all across this sanctuary as they sing. Hallelujah. Let's praise him and talk to him. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We magnify you, God. We thank you for the access that you have given. Hallelujah. We love you and give you praise. That's right. There's freedom in this house. There's deliverance in this house. Hallelujah. Let's sing together.